Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, get your field of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career, and feel great. Let's get straight into it. Do you want to keep the talent in your team? Make your team members feel valued and that they don't need to look elsewhere for progression opportunities. Or maybe you're feeling like there is no progression for you within your team and would like to know how to fix it. I am joined today by Jane Christian and Emma Whitehouse, respectively Head of System Intelligence and Deputy Head of Business Science for UK clients at Mediacom. 60% of Jane and Emma's team joined Mediacom as graduate and stayed for an average of 5.5 years. Today, they will share their tips with us, benefiting both managers and team members. Hi, ladies. Hi, Karen. Hi. How are you today? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Getting into you know, the swing of things when it comes to the working from home now seems the new normal. Yeah, definitely. Jane, before we we get into tips and how to keep the talents in the team, can you tell us a bit more about your role and responsibilities? Sure, yep. So I head up the systems intelligence team for Mediacom UK, which essentially um, has underneath it all of the data and the analytics services that Mediacom offer our clients. So one half of the team it's called business science, which Emma will talk to you about in a second. Uh, we do a lot of modeling for clients, a lot of econometric modeling is, is data intelligence, uh, is data engineering, data science, data visualization. So uh, in London, we've got about 55 people. Um, and I kind of head up that wider team, um, especially at the moment, working on extending our products um, into this kind of data engineering, data science um, arena. Thank you. How about you, Emma? Um, so, hi, um, I'm Emma Whitehouse, Deputy uh, Head of Business Science uh, UK Clients. So, as Jane said, I work in um, one half of the systems intelligence team, um, predominantly producing market mix modelling or econometrics for a wide range of clients and brands in, in the UK, but also globally, um, to help them understand the benefit of their advertising investment. So, to quantify that return on investment um, and therefore help them spend that money better again in the future. I personally manage one of the sub teams in the department. Um, my main clients are in the travel and telecoms space, but from a wider department perspective, I'm responsible for all of our resource management and predominantly recruitment of that um, and making sure we've got the right training and stuff set up, which is um, why I'm here today. Can you tell us how you got into data? Maybe Jane? Sure, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I wish I could say that it was what I wanted to do, you know, from when I was 10 or 12 or something, but it really honest. I did economics at university up to a master's level, and when I came out, you know, the options were finance or government economic service, and I remember getting a, an interview at Mediacom, and I just loved the idea of the sound of mixing data, statistics and modelling, but with something really tangible and fun, uh, as in media. And so I kind of 
took the risk and fell into the job and, and, I've, and I've loved it to this day. I've been MediaCom now, it was 19 years ago that I joined as a graduate back then and I'm, I'm still here and still not bored yet because there's always something good to do with that mixture. Wow. I, I think, I don't think many of, you, of us can say that we've always wanted to be into data. I, I don't think I had any clue about data before I actually started studying for my master's. How about you, Emma? Um, so not too dissimilar to Jane, actually. So um, I also studied economics at um, Loughborough University. And when I finished, I'd um, definitely had enough of academics. I didn't want to go in and I've not done a master's. I stopped, stopped at BSc. Definitely didn't want to go into finance because I um, just fancied actually having a social life from what I could tell. But wanting to use something with my degree and kind of, yes, stumbled into econometrics and remember seeing a job out of econometrician. I was like, oh, that sounds like something I did at uni about econometrics and uh, went to went to the interview, found out a bit more about it. It sounded really interesting. And um, 12 years later, here I am. So, yeah, quite similar to Jane, actually, on that one. The, the two of you have been at Mediacom for quite a long time and I, I find it very impressive that you've stayed for that long and it also reflects in your team because you have quite a good longevity in the team. So 60% of your team started as graduate. Yeah, that's true. And that's been, I think it's been something kind of that we've had, that we're really proud of, but we've also needed to do. So we, Emma worked out this statistic about a month ago and we got shortlisted for agency team of the year. Um, and we thought we'd better as a statistics team go over some stats and uh, we're really proud of that. And, and like I say, it's something that we, we kind of had to do as a strategy, but we also enjoy doing because it's really hard to find the people to do what we do you know we're looking for people who are good at statistics modeling good with data but also we're very client facing and um, have to come up with the insights from the data as well and it's a lot of different skill sets that we need to get and there's not many people in our very small niche industry so we kind of decided many years ago as you can tell because Emma and I are both joined as graduates that it would be better if we grew our own talent so it depends on the year but you know like I said we're about 55 people in total in the, in the UK team and about between about three and eight graduates join every year and we look to develop them and, and it isn't a long term it's a long term strategy so it's not a short term strategy so you know taking on graduates and training them and developing them isn't something that you can just do overnight to sort out a resource need next month it's something that we invest in and we're but some of the, you know, the best people in our team have started in this way and, and we're, we're really proud of them. I think it makes us stronger. Yeah, well, congratulations on the, on the short list. It's very well deserved. You're saying that instead of looking for maybe the, the unicorn, because you said in, it's really hard to find someone who has all the skill set that you're looking at that are necessary in the roles that you're covering, you're building this person in-house. Why do you think employee retention is so important? So uh, employee retention is, is important for everybody. Um, I think it's particularly the case in a, a field like ours where um, what we do is really quite niche and the, the number of people out there that can do this job is relatively small. And so, you know, we're always fishing in a very small pool of external candidates so it's really important that we keep the talent in-house as it were and look to develop them as much as possible so 
um, as Jane was mentioning, we, you know, it's a long-term strategy, has many different facets. So we invest a lot in supporting the team, particularly around their learning and development. So we've got a whole range of bespoke training courses that um, go hand in hand with sort of on-the-job training, working on live projects straight from day zero so that people can really get a feel of what they do actually has a significant impact on the clients that they work on. We also look to promote internally as well so people can very clearly see the progression um, and I think it's it's something that people have fed back to me quite recently actually is that actually looking up to people like me and Jane who have started as grads and everyone you know everyone knows that and we're now kind of leading the team gives people a really good kind of role model to kind of follow and look up to and obviously we're very open and offer advice to them in how they do that and um, yeah just kind of work really closely with each individual to make sure that we give them the development opportunities that they need to grow and kind of keep them in the team. Yeah, I feel from the the experience I've had so far in in the industry, people tend to to move around quite often, and I've never actually had a, a manager or a team leader that had been in the in the company for more than five six years. So this has to be very inspiring for others, showing that actually it's possible to to grow in your role and then stay in the same company. Jane, with this in mind, so Emma did talk about putting together training courses, etc. But how do you go about making your employees feel that they are valued and that they can progress in their role? Yeah, so it's two two great questions there. So from a feeling valued point of view, I mean obviously giving people you know good feedback I think is always uh, important and you know showing your appreciation but for me I think in our team what works really well is that we even if you're new into the company and you're starting as a graduate for example we don't just kind of lock you in the in, in the back room <laughs> we don't and you, you, we try to get the even the junior people involved in clients uh, projects in terms of a meeting with the clients, sometimes giving them to present some of the work to clients. So I think they really feel like they're part of the bigger picture from day one, rather than thinking, you know, that they're like just a background backroom analyst. On, on the converse side to it, there's a there's always a worry when you do that, that, you know, if somebody's been in the business for six months, do you want them presenting to a client, you know, because they haven't got that much experience. But I think we always feel that if possible, we want to give them that exposure because it's so satisfying to them to see their work presented. And then on the other half of your questions about how they can progress in the organisation, I think I'll reiterate what Emma said here, which is a strategy that we've definitely had in place. Because what we've seen is, and I think every cohort of graduates that we have in Emma, I'm sure you'll agree, they're getting more and more ambitious and wanting faster and faster progress. And that means promotions. And that means, as Emma said, promoting people when in from within as much as possible and sometimes that means that ideally we might have a role at a certain level open and it might be it might feel like for short term it'd be great if we could get somebody of exactly that level in and we'll have to go externally to bring them in because that would help now but really what we could do is we could promote somebody in the team into that role and really push them and try and support them to to reach that then that means then we've got a gap underneath them and we can promote somebody else somebody else underneath that and we create like a waterfall of promotions from that so although so what i want to try to say is 
sometimes it's kind of it's that playing for that longer term game. So when you've got a gap in a team at a higher level, can you push everybody up rather than taking the option of bringing somebody in externally, um, which sometimes we need to do. But that that promoting within is is probably the, the biggest thing to keep people here. And it's what's kept me here. You know, I started off as a graduate and I head up the bigger team and it's the same for Emma. There's, and there's never been a point where I felt like, well, is this it now? Am I stuck until somebody else leaves? Um, so creating that space to progress is, is really important. Thank you. That, that's some really great tips here. So yes, you supporting employees to progress. Yes, you putting them in front of clients as early as possible to show them that their work is valued. But have you ever had a, an employee that felt like their role was not quite right for them? And if so, how did you deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, we have. And, but I think in a positive way, they felt it wasn't quite right. So I won't name any names, but I can think of a couple of people who started in a standard role as a standard econometrician and analyst, but then also had a lot of interest in other areas. So they were in their own, in their own time because they were really loving it, learning programming and R. And what that meant was it got to a certain point where actually we were needing to um, expand and build some more tools and systems in the team. And they were really well placed then to be able to do that. And we said, well, why don't we just change your role? And why don't you now um, do more tools and systems development? And I think what had really helped them was, the, the, you know, I think it's a general thing, the wider your skill set, the more options you've got. And it's not that for every single person that we can find something perfect for exactly what they want but the more skills you've got the more likely if there's a new opportunity that comes up that you can take that new opportunity and you know thinking of the people that I'm talking about here now they have their own teams and um, with people reporting into them all now doing um, tools and development within the teams they've really carved their own little niche there so I think we always say to people you know the skills and the training is really key make yourself more valuable to open up the option so it's really interesting because I, I have seen people leaving because they felt like the, the role was not offering them what they were after. So maybe at the beginning you think, okay, that's interesting, I could do it. But then moving forward in your career or in the role, you realize, oh, actually, that's not what I want to do. And it's really great to see that you have found a way to, to deal with that and then still manage to retain these people and make them happier in their role. From a, an employee perspective, how would you start this conversation? How would you go and say, actually, this is not what I want to do. I know this is why I was employed, but can I please do something else? Yeah, I think um, it's a really good question. And I think um, obviously that relies on uh, kind of a feeling of kind of confidence and um, honest discussion with yourself and your line manager. One thing that we've we've done um, certainly in the last year or so is to make sure everybody in the team has got what we call a personal growth plan. And I think it's something that anybody can do. You don't have to be training on it per se. But essentially how it works is that each person kind of looks at some of the challenges that they've had to overcome, be it um, within their career or within their personal lives um, and what they learned from that. Then looking at what they're good at now and therefore what they want to achieve in the short, medium and long term. And I think what that's done is helped people frame kind of what their career objectives are, um, help them understand why there's maybe elements of their current role that they're 
maybe not as happy with or um, areas that they look around the, the team which have got slightly different skills that they say actually that bit over there looks really interesting I'd like to learn a bit more about that by having that understanding and that kind of structure they've been able to then go to their line manager um, or another member of the leadership team and say actually I'm really interested in this what can we do to kind of help facilitate me learning that and I think by giving that structure and being able to have that honest conversation actually then enables people to go about looking at how they reshape their, their skills um, and their role. For some, I'm not going to lie, it's just reconfirmed they're on the right path, which is, you know, stick with the kind of more traditional MMM econometrics um, approach. But for others, like Jane's been talking about, it's opened up completely different skill sets that actually we can actually all benefit from as a department and as the individuals. And I think that's what's what's really important yeah so basically the personal growth plan is kind of a, an extension of objectives but on the side where you're actually understanding what you're doing and where you want to go yeah and i think the really key difference i would say between a personal growth plan and objective is that objectives are quite often set by the line manager whereas a personal growth plan allows you to set your own personal objectives and they can both work hand in hand both of you in that relationship need to be working in the same direction for the benefit of not only the business but obviously the, the individual as well and that's what keeps employees in the team for a long term because we recognize and respect them as individuals and this kind of specific individual skill sets that they can bring. Emma what would you say to someone who thinks they have to change organization to make any progress? Uh, nonsense uh, <laughs> me and Jane I think are kind of the proof points of that and then you know we're not the only ones in our team as you mentioned like 60% of us joined as grads and just sort of doing a quick calculation in my head probably over half of our leadership team joined as grads as well so you know we've got big grounding in that I think I think we're lucky in terms of how the team we've got at Mediacom Business Science and Systems Intelligence works um, I'm sure that it doesn't work so well in, in in other teams and that's why people feel like they need to move but what I would say is you know have a think about what that growth plan looks like for you take that to your line manager and talk about well actually I want to learn this bit and I can see I could help on that project over there or whatever it might be I think there's some really big benefits to staying with the same organization for so long and I'm not just meaning kind of you know you might get additional holiday and um, you know bits and pieces like that but for me, and I'm sure Jane would agree, I feel like going into the office, although we're, we're doing that virtually at the moment, I feel like I'm surrounded by friends more than just colleagues. Everyone knows my strengths as well as the weaknesses and they'll call me out on them when uh, I fall into a trap. But it means we can work together seamlessly. We know what to pull in if, if there's something that Jane and I can split up and you know we know which bit each of us will do well. And I think particularly working in media, you know pro, pros and cons of media life is that clients get pitched and we go through various procurement cycles every four or five years for a lot of clients the benefit i've always seen for that is as much as we don't like losing clients actually that there's a good thing on that which is you basically get a new job without actually having to go through the interview process which personally i think is a really good thing and definitely something that kind of i've benefited from over the years just part of media agency life so probably not applicable to to everyone but quite an interesting point for us yeah that would save a lot of stress and anxiety i guess <laughs> um, I, I like the advantage of extra holiday uh, yeah. and this all sounds amazing but are there any cons of having loads of longevity in a team 
Yeah, I think obviously, I think Emma's been through all the, you know, the pros of longevity there, you know, you've got efficiency, etc. I guess the downside is, you know, we, we, you've got to have some fresh blood and some fresh thinking as well in the team. And you want people to have stayed because they're interested and not because they're, I mean, if I'm going to be really blunt, if they're just kind of lazily carrying on in that, and you want people that are, that are staying in a team that are progressing and pushing themselves and evolving, which I think, you know, from, from our point of view, we, we do have. But I think the, the external view, I think if I look at the people that are the 40% of our team who have joined not as a graduate, they've all bought something that we haven't got as graduates within Mediacom, which is an external view and a view from elsewhere. And, I, and I'm very aware, you know, I've pretty much only ever worked at Mediacom and therefore I, I, I can't, I don't know, I don't have that, that view of, of, of the companies and how they work as well as have extended. So you're right, it's, um, I think longevity, I think is actually always a good thing, like I said, as long as people progress. But I don't think having fresh faces in at different levels is a bad thing. I think that you also need that, like I said, to have new blood and new ideas into the team. On top of having um, a team that feels valued and stays with the company for a long time, you also have a very gender diverse team. How did you achieve to have uh, such a good gender balance? Yeah, I think, um, to be honest, it's not something we've actually explicitly set out to achieve. Instead, it's just happened quite naturally through um, a variety of different approaches. For us, you know, we want the best people for the job that we're looking to fill. Um, regardless of gender, background, you know, all, all the rest of it. I think something that has changed in that is, so you've heard both me and uh, Jane started from an economics degree background, and that was quite similar. For, certainly when I started, all of my peers at that time had economics degrees. Um, but actually over the years, we've made a conscious effort to actually move away from that. And that's not because people that come from an economics degree aren't good, but because those from other degree subjects can be just as strong and often bring new perspectives into the team, which helps us all grow. So we've got people now who have got physics backgrounds, um, zoology backgrounds. Uh, I think we've even got a chef. So, you know, people have, have come from a whole wide range of different backgrounds. And clearly, we, you know, they, they have to pass an interview process and they're all analytical but the way they look at the world and approach the problems that we're trying to solve for our clients can be quite different i think one of the other things is how we run our graduate recruitment days so um on these we would have circa 20 candidates or all fresh um, out of the university days completing various tasks throughout the days and there's kind of two objectives to that one is obviously to um, test their skills um, and make sure they're kind of right for the job but also to show them what the job's really like because I think that's really hard to get across on paper particularly if you're a grad and you've never worked in an office environment or you know whatever before but I think the really interesting aspect for me which I'm quite proud of is that Although we've got a central talent team that kind of find those candidates for us and they check all the CVs and stuff like that, the department hiring team that work on that graduate day to make the recruitment decisions don't ever see the candidate CVs. So the idea behind that is to try and remove all of the, the bias um, you know, associated with that. You know, I don't want per, um, somebody to look at a, a candidate and go, oh, they've got a physics background, they can't come and do this job, when actually, if you look at them and, and kind of observe them in the various tasks that we get to complete during the day, we sit down at the end of the day and the best candidate could be from a completely different background that we wouldn't normally expect. And I think that's really helped 
grow the team in terms of that diversity and, and things like that um, over the years. Um, you know, not going to lie, some years we hire all men because they're, they're the best ones that we get, but in other years we hire all girls. So it really mixes up um, as we go through the year and, um, and stuff like that. And then, you know, we could get into the flexible working conversation, which everyone's really familiar with these days, but I don't think that applies just to, to women. I think now's a really good example of that. Lots of the men in our team have got kids and they're sharing the childcare um, across the day and, and things like that. So it's about trusting employees to deliver on their job, but being flexible and allowing them to do that and, and trusting them to do that. So um, as I say, kind of wrapping up, it's not something we've explicitly gone out to achieve, but it's just happened quite naturally through a variety of different approaches. I love this. Someone f uh, having studied zoology and a chef in the data team is something that is amazing. <laughs> I love it. And also the way you, you're doing the recruiting for the graduate as well, it's really great not to, to see the CVs and then just seeing how people operate. This is a really interesting way of doing things. Emma, do you have any extra advice to give to managers who are trying to recruit and also retain more women in their team? Um, well, as I say, we, we, we don't kind of go out and do that specifically. I think, um, you know, when you are recruiting, um, what I would say is the kind of job description, the job ad that you put out, be mindful of the kind of some of the terminology that you use. Um, something that's really stuck with me is that you know you could show the same job ad to a male and a female a male will more likely apply if they hit three or four of the ten things that we're looking for whereas for the female they would want to tick all of the boxes before they'd even consider applying that has really strong implications in terms of kind of how you write those job ads you know making sure it's it's a bit more um, flexible and talking to people and being able to speak them through the job role is really important so that, that's kind of something that's really stuck in my head about the, the yeah as the terminology that we use and the wording of those job ads and then I think we tend to have kind of two stages of our interview process again I mean I'm talking externally but it, it works in a similar way with the internal team as well in that it's about being flexible so first of all we want to make sure that they understand the role and answer any questions and then we can get in the technical bit of kind of are, are they technically able to do the job I'm thinking more about experienced roles here now and being flexible in whatever that person needs to do their job so you know it could be not necessarily working part-time but it might be shifting the hours so that they can make sure they go and pick up the nursery pick up later on in the day and stuff like that or it might be working some days from home all, all of that I think is kind of part and parcel of that I think generally those conversations are happening more widely i think that's something that the media comms been doing for quite a long time um so it's just part and parcel of what we live and breathe at MediaCom. but i think certainly in other agencies and uh, industries that's less so the case potentially i think i would just to add to that i'd say as well think about who you have doing the interviewing you know if you want to inspire mm, yeah. a female have an inspiring female in the interview as, as the interviewer i think will also help as well and we have plenty yeah. of those and I think that helps us with our retention as well because we see within Mediacom there's so many like, sort of really powerful and um, inspiring females that, that kind of give you the view that there's, there is no limits to where you can go in the agency. I guess we will close on the there is no limits 
to where <laughs> you can go. That, that's definitely my phrase for the day. <laughs> thank you, Emma and Jane, for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you would like to register to the community, all you need to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. It's free and easy. Please feel free to share the link with anyone you think would benefit from being part of the community. You can also follow us on social media, so LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. We would love to hear from you and have some feedback that will help us enhance the content and bring the guests you want to hear from. Have a great day.